Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always, for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. On this episode, we're going to catch up with our good buddy Joe Grabowski, former Badger offensive lineman, owner of Cabin Coffee in Altoona. And obviously, football season's over with, but I wanted to get his thoughts on, you know, the Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, you know, a little, I don't, not even scuffle, but maybe, you know, Travis Kelsey kind of barking at Andy Reid. How would that have flown, you know, maybe with Barry Alvarez? Uh, And just some other things, you know, college football. We've got guys who are, um, you know, coaches now moving on. How does that affect uh, uh, how does that affect that relationship from a uh, from a player's perspective? And then there's a documentary coming out uh, with the Patriots, and it sounds like you know you got like Brady and Gronkowski, and they're talking about and they're talking about you know how just they were kind of worn down from Belichick's coaching style. And I kind of want to talk to Joe about that because well, Barry Alvarez, you know, we we we've heard stuff about him and such. So get his thoughts on that. But first, before we get to that. The other day was Valentine's Day, and we had a little fun on the on the radio show, talking about uh, you know like some of the biggest uh, crushes or or heartbreaking moments in in the world of sports here, and you know I was thinking about it more and more, and just kind of going back to, through the memory banks here too, like to, to, I guess maybe to to kind of recap it, but also to expand upon some of the stuff we talked about. So you know one of my first cr- and it's not one of he was my first sports crush. Now, when I'm talking about sports crush, I'm talking about like you were a fan as a kid. You know, not to say you can't be fans when you're an adult and such, but you know, like who you had up uh, as you know posters up in your room and such. And my first one was Shaq, which the timing was kind of weird because uh, on the 13th, February 13th, Shaq got his number retired by the Orlando Magic. And I know there's some debate whether that should have happened or not. I'm not going to get into that. But Shaq was my first sports crush. I was a Shaq kid. Okay, I wanted the Shaq shoes. Couldn't afford them, so the next closest thing I got as a kid was the Shaq shoes Kmart brand. I remember the Shaq logo on there. But I, you know, I had poster. I had uh, the action figures. There's action figures of him. I can still picture them. One that he's wearing his Orlando one. One he's like dunking uh, in his LSU uniform and such. I had a Shaq VHS tape. I had a Shaq theme party. I collected the cards. I mean, I was a diehard Shaq fan. My first real jersey, when I say real jersey, I'm not talking about like a knockoff at a department store. I'm talking about like back in the day when you had to go through the catalog and circle them. Uh, my first one was a Shaq. Uh, my first jersey was Shaq, Orlando Magic. Black. Okay. It was black. Uh, the the black one there. Not the pinstripes, just solid black. But Shaq was my first crush. Then it went into Penny. I was big Shaq at Penny. You could tell I was an, a huge Orlando Magic fan uh, as a kid. You know, I'm a diehard Packers fan now. That's how I was as a kid with the with the Orlando Magic. Just I loved the, the Magic. I loved 90s hoops. So then it was kind of, you know, Dion, shout out to third grade teacher mr waller kind of got into the dion one he nicknamed me dion after dion sanders after a recess football game so i got into dion uh that was another crush of mine had his poster up there too so and then it later on like middle school late 
I would say late elementary school, like fourth, fifth grade, somewhere around there, developed a little bit more into uh, Green Bay Packers and such, Favre, White, and, and that. So those were my my main crushes, and, and I'm really kind of focusing on when I was when I was younger, when when I was a kid, such because that's when you have the posters up, and you know I got a man cave, so I got put, I got pictures up of athletes and and all that stuff, anyways. So I mean, you still have that, but I'm talking about like when we when you looked at those athletes as like your heroes or idols or or something like that. So those were those were my guys, uh, those were my huge crushes, and it it developed it like Tiger. I would say Tiger kind of was. Because I always say Tiger was, or he made golf cool for me. Like, I got into golf because my, my aunt started playing it. But then he kind of made it cool to, like, oh, you can actually do this and maybe talk about it and, and brag about how you're a golfer or go out for the golf team or something like that. Oh, you can wear a sweet polo and a sweet hat and all that, you know, Nike hats and that. So he made it cool. And it was interesting to hear a lot of people kind of talk about you know, when we had this on the on the radio program, that he was their crush for a lot of people, and I guess he was similar to to me in in that aspect too. That he was a crush for for mine, and it just it was interesting to to think about like how Tiger like influenced an athlete like like Tiger influenced how I do things or how I play the game of golf. Like when when he came on the scene, it's like okay, I got to get a red Nike polo, I got to get the Tiger hat, I want Nike golf balls, and and it turned into like that sort of thing, and then it developed into like, well, wow. When you really think about it, it's like it it got into a conversation about Bill Dance. Uh, any fishermen out there know Bill Dance, bass fisherman. Like as a kid, or how younger you are, and maybe even to to even when you're an adult and such. But when you're a kid and you see your favorite athletes or idols, you you try to emulate them so much. So like Tiger, I tried to, you know, not only got into golf with him, but tried to emulate everything about him. Uh, I loved watching hunting and fishing shows as a kid, Bill Dance, so I tried to emulate everything about him. I wanted the spitting image and the swimming image, uh, you know, lures from Excalibur. They were Excalibur back then. They're uh, heating right now. Uh, you know, I watched uh, hunting shows. I wanted to be like Bill Jordan and, you know, a real tree or Mossy Oak, Dave Watson from Secrets of the Hunt, Bushnell. So I wanted those products too because I wanted to be – a hunter and a fisherman on on TV, you, you know. So, eh, it was just it was a really fun conversation. But I, anybody listening right now, I'd I'd be curious to know was there was there an athlete or maybe at somebody on TV or something like that where you maybe as a kid really tried to emulate? Like I tried to emulate Bill Dance. I because I kept fishing logs and all that. When I would go hunting, I, I'd want to wear real tree because that's what I saw on TV. I wanted to wear Shaq's shoes. I wanted to be the same type of golfer as Tiger because, wow, he's really good and he uses that. I want to. I, I, that's how I'm going to be better. So anybody listening, I'm, I'm genuinely curious if you had similar thoughts like that. And, like, my kid Hudson right now is kind of like that too because he wants to wear the same shoes as – or he wants to get Nike shoes because he sees these football players and his reason is because I want to be a football player – he sees them wearing Nike spikes. So, in terms of heartbreaks, though, you know, I got to do the other side here. That was the second question we had on there. Uh, my biggest heartbreak, a lot of people are still surprised when I say this because they just assume it's a Packer thing. To me, it's still the 2015 Badger basketball team losing in a national championship to Duke. That one, when I still think about it, still bugs me. 
still hurts my feelings. <laughs> it's, uh, it pisses me off, let's just say that. It just gets me down. And a lot of it is because at that time I thought, this ain't happening again. Uh, that team was so much fun. I love that team. Frank the Tank, Sam Decker, Nigel Hayes, Bronson Koenig. You know, they're having fun with stenographers, goofing around Bo Ryan and such. I just felt like that was the only time I was going to see the Badgers maybe win a national championship in basketball. Um, I still kind of feel that way, maybe not as strong as I did back then, but it's just I that one bugs me the most. There's, of course, the 14-15 Packers season ending in the NFC Championship game against Seattle. You know, that one, that one stunk. It's probably like number three for me, to be honest with you, on, on my list. Um, the only thing that really bugged me about that game was seeing everybody with a few minutes left and Packers are up 16, saying we're going to Super Bowl, posting it on, on social media and such. And I'm just like, hold on, don't jinx it, don't jinx it. And look what happened. I was at the 07-08 NFC Championship game at Lambeau uh, when they lost the Giants. That one maybe might be number two. For, for me, because I was there, I had the mindset that we were going to go to the Super Bowl. That's the reason why I bought a ticket, because I thought, hey, I'm going to see the Packers celebrate on the field, and they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I said that if the Giants were going to beat the Cowboys, I was going to buy a ticket and go to the game. Giants beat the Cowboys. Boom, NFC Championship games in Green Bay. So that is still the quietest I've ever experienced Lambeau Field. Walking out of that stadium when I was at the top, all the way down, it was so quiet. Nobody was talking. And I don't think it was just because it was freezing cold. I think it was just this disbelief that that actually happened. And then I put Super Bowl 32 on there, too. I was, I think, sixth grade, so I still remember the game. I still remember how I acted afterwards. I was mad. I punched the couch. So that's still up there. You know, you lose a championship, you lose a Super Bowl, especially with Green Bay being, you know, one of the favorites up there. Yeah, that was that was heartbreaking, too. You know, in terms of baseball, I wasn't around in 82, so I can't say the 82 World Series. But, you know, maybe baseball-wise, go to 2018 Game 7 against the Dodgers. And when was it Bellinger or whoever made the catch in center field? I think it was a yellow chit. You know, Brewers trying to make something happen, trying to get some momentum. And when he made that ridiculous catch, you just kind of felt the energy suck out of the I – was, I watched it on TV, and you could just feel the energy getting sucked out of there. So, But those are, those are kind of my – uh, heartbreaks, if you will. So I know we talked about it on the radio show the other day. I kind of wanted to expand on it a little bit more and and really kind of get your thoughts too because, you know, I, w- I wanted to throw the question out there. Who did you emulate? Who did you emulate as a kid? You know, I, I had the difference. I tried to emulate a fisherman. I tried to emulate a hunter. I tried to emulate a golfer. A lot of times we emulate baseball players with their batting stances, right? Maybe it's that way. But what? Uh, who did you emulate? Think about that for a little bit and hit me up, okay? Hey, we're going to take a quick break here, and uh, we'll talk with Joe, Joe Grabowski, coming up after these quick words. Are you thinking of taking a spring break trip this year? Or maybe you're already eyeing up that summer vacation, but you're not quite sure if you have the proper transportation for those road trips. Hey, that's where Toys and Ford can help you. Toys and Ford has a wide selection of new and used vehicles for you to check out. And at Toys and Ford, they treat you like an honored guest. They will work with you on financing no matter what your budget may be. So if you're looking for that new vehicle this year, head to Toys and Ford, located at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa Falls. 
We are always looking to save a little money in our pockets, but we still need our essentials like our grocery items. So how do you save money while also getting what you need for your family? Hy-Vee Perks. If you shop at Hy-Vee, you're already getting a great deal on quality items throughout the store. But now you can save more money with Hy-Vee Perks on different items each week. Saving some money is easy if you shop at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. So take advantage of these awesome deals and sales and stop on over at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire today. It is time to catch up with our good buddy, Mr. Joe Grabowski, owner of Cabin Coffee, also co-host, 217 South Mills Podcast. Yep. Getting close. I've been seeing the videos and that. Yeah, we've been Starting to gain that. experience now. <laughs> You're not going to need my help anymore, and you might not even stop in anymore at this point. You're going to be pros. So I, I tell you, uh, the help that you've given us has been great. Uh, again, you have two guys that are not tech-savvy at all. And the fact, like I said, we rely on people to help us out because we had no idea. Zero. Well, so. you look like pros right now. so <laughs> That's that's good it looks that way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it sounds like coming soon, first episodes and yep. such. So mm-hmm. looking, forward, uh, looking forward to that. Yep. So uh, I'm just saying if you need a guest, don't Absolutely. ask me. I'm going to drag you into it, too. Uh, looking forward to that. That will be available on all uh, podcasting platforms and make sure you follow their uh, social media pages too. Who does the TikTok? Is that Bill? Yeah, yeah. he's all into that. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't see you as the TikTok. Guy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not a TikTok guy at all. So I'm not even a tech guy. I'm not really a big social media guy. But yep. there you go. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Super Bowl is in the books now. We know uh, the the Chiefs. Would you say they're a dynasty right now? Yeah, it's looking that way mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, yep. you win. Three out of four, or whatever. Three out of four, it is, and three, possibly five, a three P coming up here. Like, yeah. Hey, uh, and like I said, I'm a huge fan of Andy Reid. I think he's a great coach. So, mm-hmm. I, I have more power to him. Yep. He deserves it. Uh, I'll be, you know, there was the one thing that I, I think it probably gets a little bit more play. We were talking a little bit off the air if they lose, right? The the whole Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, Andy Reid thing. Now it's kind of developed into a meme thing where people are having fun with it online, right? But it's probably. Like you said, too, if they lose, that's talked about more. Yep. Could you have ever imagined of doing that to, to Barry Alvarez, you know, bumping or even yelling at him or, or anything like that? Uh, no. Uh, that would probably be my last act in uh, a uniform. Uh, n- never, mm-hmm. never would have crossed my mind, no matter how emotional I was, no matter how upset I was or pissed off I was. Uh, that was never even on the radar. Mm-hmm. Uh more fear right <laughs> definitely more fear mm-hmm. of uh what the outcome would be and i mean i i i think at least i'm not saying it's right or wrong does he get the benefit of the doubt because he's travis kelsey whereas if that's a third string four string guy first of all if you're a third string or four string guy you're an idiot for doing that to, to andy reed absolutely but you're probably also like you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt because like, andy reed said afterwards oh i love that you know that sort of stuff right Probably not saying that if that is a backup right. player not over at all. there. And it is Kelsey, and obviously he's potentially going to be a Hall of Fame 
and he is one of the leaders on the offense for that team. So, yeah, probably more of a pass, more than like a third or fourth string for sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, but you're right. It's, and I don't know if it made a difference in the game. I mean, right. that's, I mean, that was so early on in that too. I mean, right. did you ever have teammates or, you know, I think we've kind of talked about it. Like they were just, cause it seems like he gets so amped up right, right before the game, you know, mm-hmm. starts. And if it's not going right, right away, he shows frustration right. a lot. Did you ever have teammates, you don't have to say names or anything like that, were just so amped up before the game? Like, right. it was like, dude, you got to calm down a little bit. We did, not to that extent. It was more of a controlled chaos. Um, I would say, if you're nervous before a football game, there's something wrong with you. Like, mm-hmm. see, you have those pregame jitters, but I'm also not going to expel energy. I'm not trying to put on a show for somebody. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I was more internal. Like, going over playbook, thinking, visualizing what I needed to do, talking to the guys around me, okay, just to, just to clarify on the backside of this, you know, mm-hmm. just that reassurance. And a lot of time it's just like in order for to start the game, it takes so freaking long. You're, you're there like at 7 a.m. for an 11 o'clock game. Right. Like, it, the hours just drag on when all you want to do is just go out there and play because you just want to get this feeling, these butterflies, this – anxious feeling out of you and then mm-hmm. after the first play it's just game on right so yeah it seems like everybody's got their own different ways some mm-hmm. just get really amped up and pumped up and they're listening to music and, yep. and jamming out and then you got the calm cool kind of like what you're describing there a little bit and that's how they stay focused there too and honestly just it doesn't seem like there's a right or wrong way i don't think out. there is i mean obviously travis kelsey is an amazing player he's an amazing tight end it, it, that's proven he's mm-hmm. proven himself you know, how you do it, how you get yourself amped up is up to you. I just never wanted to waste the energy. Right. I was conserving what I had in the tank. Like, all right, mm-hmm. let's just the, the nervous energy inside is enough right now. I just want to get out there and, and, and get rid of it. And mm-hmm. the first play, first two plays, you set the tone. And then from that point on, mm-hmm. that feeling is gone. And, uh, yeah. Did but, you ever, since we see it a little bit more often, but since you were offensive line, did you ever want to – play where you'd catch a touchdown pass no 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 <laughs> that was a quick no no not even a little bit because no. uh, uh yeah not not a not, honestly if i was not an offensive lineman the only other position i would want to play is probably be like a linebacker yeah you know just because come on get the hit you get the hit yeah every play mm-hmm. and you know so that was but yeah obviously i'm still happy with being an old lineman yeah so this this was something that happened uh, in, actually towards the end of the regular season. I don't think I ever got to ask you this. And I just thought of this. There was that Lions and Cowboys game, the drama at the end, the re- linemen reporting eligible or not eligible. Okay. Um, so it was a big big deal because they brought in extra offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And there was talk whether he actually reported. The official said he did, right. which blew the play dead. It was a game-winning right. you know, play there. Was that – I mean, can you kind of give us a little bit of background, like reporting eligible sort of yeah. stuff on, on there as an offensive lineman? Like, All you do is go up to the to the line judge and say you're eligible, mm-hmm. and then it's his job to announce it to the other guys. I mean, it's it's not a long discussion. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm eligible in this play. Mm-hmm. And then he blows the whistle and lets everybody know number 73 or whatever number you are is eligible mm-hmm. for pass. So, uh, yeah, we didn't have many offensive linemen passes, which is okay. Right. He'd rather run the ball anyway. Yeah, So exactly. And it was like – then there was some talk like, well, there was one saying he wasn't or pretending he was and trying to fool everything. To me, that seems like you're getting too cute at it, that it, point. It is. Just run the play. Yeah. Run the play. Like, there's not a whole lot 
especially on the level of the NFL, that they don't know what you're doing. They know your trick plays. They know your offense because they've watched film. I mean, it's very rare that you can pull something out that they haven't seen at some way, shape, or form at that time. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's a different. Yeah. How how much in like your meetings? Because listening to you talk and and you know when Bill's been on, you guys have talked about how your meetings have gone and how yeah. detailed and, oh, yeah. and all that. How you know? So one thing also to come from the Super Bowl was the the overtime rules, where you had players from the Chiefs kind of coming out saying, "We were preparing for this. We talked about it in training camp. We prepared for it two weeks ago. We knew what the scenario was going to be if we oh. were in there." Where 49ers players, you had them with the opposite saying, yeah, we didn't know the rules, you huh. know, sort of stuff. Huh. And, you know, whether that factored in. But it was just kind of interesting to hear two different teams saying, yeah, we we were doing this stuff and preparing for it, mm-hmm. you know, and all. Did you guys, were when you were in your meetings, prepare for – maybe at that time you're like, why are we preparing for this? But it might have been so minute right. that maybe it could have popped up in a, in a game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we did cover it, but, it, I mean – for overtime stuff, we did know the rules. Mm-hmm. Our coaches knew the rules. We may have addressed it, but it wasn't like a weekly thing that we thought, all right, if we go into overtime, we're going to do this. Nope. It's mm-hmm. just, okay, here, here's what it is. And I'm trying to think of what the rules were. Did you start at 20, I think, and you had like four opportunities to get mm-hmm. a touchdown and then vice versa. And, and the rules have changed numerous times now since I played. But that was the thing. Like, we we knew what the rules were. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we rehearsed every week, but – Mm-hmm. We had our pulse on uh, a pulse on it. We knew what was going on, and we knew okay. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, we're getting down to overtime here, possibility. So let's just recap, you know, what the rules are and how we're going to go about our business. Right, because um, we've always heard stories about like Belichick being one of them that would always go over the small details and right. maybe you know just pound through the fundamentals and, mm-hmm. and the small details. I mean, that's one thing for us to hear. That is that something that actually goes on in practice a lot, where you may hammer and focus on some of the smaller details and. You know, for maybe some people, it's like full fundamentals. Once you get them down, you don't really have to rehearse them. Is that something you still go over practice all the, all the time? We on our individuals for practice, it was the same thing over, and it was a board drill, keeping your legs, your drop step, working on your duck walk, uh, digging your heels into the ground. It, it became like the individual part of practice. One, it was to warm you up, and number two, we worked on them every day. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the number of – of, of drop steps I've taken, how many board drills I've done, uh, countless. It just becomes part of your of what you do. Mm-hmm. Even the warm-ups on game day. The game day warm-ups was identical to the practice warm-up. It's the same thing. So just a routine. It just becomes part of the daily routine. Mm-hmm. So There's never enough. Another thing I just, uh, just popped in my head, too, and I thought about this the other day that I wanted to talk to you about. So there's apparently a documentary coming out. Maybe it's already out. I don't know, but it's a Patriots thing. And it's kind of talks about their their dynasty, but apparently there's a part in there uh, where you know when Brady and Belichick broke up, essentially, yep. you know. And there's clips in there too. Apparently, like Rob Gronkowski, he talks about you know he pulled into the parking lot and he didn't want to go in. Like it, it pretty much what they're saying was they were getting tired of Belichick and just the constant right. coaching them hard or hammering down, you know, that sort of stuff. And then listening to you guys talk about like Barry Alvarez, it, you know. He was a guy that you guys respected. You've said how many times you'd still run through a wall for him right now. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like he was also a tough coach in in that. Do you think it it depends on a player's mindset? Do you think it's a different age in in the game sort of thing? Because, I mean, you've got a coach who's proven that, hey, he's won a freaking lot of championships. 
but you got players saying, I'm I'm just getting worn out. I don't want to do this anymore right. sort of thing. Do you think it's a different different age with, with these players? It could or? be a different age. It could be also like the longevity, like four years with uh, Coach Alvarez was it. Yeah. Not looking at 12, 14, 15-year career. Right. You know, do you get burned out? I mean, I think everybody in some way, shape, or form, no matter what you're doing, does get burned out, whether it's you, mm-hmm. you know, doing radio or me doing coffee or, I mean, even though you love it and it's your passion, you still have a tendency to. So, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, but I do think longevity has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Under the pressure for that many years that, that Brady was and Gronkowski I mean, it probably does tend to wear on you when you have a a coach like that. And uh, you hear some of the stories about Belichick, and uh, he sounds like he's one of those guys. Right. Like, it probably wear you out. Yeah. You know? And it's just, you know, you hear that, but then you, I think you make a great point, too. It's like the, the 40 years compared to 12. I mean, yeah, 40 years is nothing in compared to 15. Brady's in since 20 years almost. Yeah, absolutely. You know, over there. And I'm sure it's human nature. Like, okay – Coach, I've won a lot. I've been around, and yep. yeah, I know this, and probably gets a little tiring at, at at some point too. But I don't know. It was. It's. I'm curious to see uh, the the whole Gronk one kind of surprised me, where he's like, you know, pulled up and didn't want to go in. Right. Then he retires, but then weird, he goes to Tampa Bay and yeah. has a little bit more fun. Absolutely. You know, down there too. So absolutely, like I said, and he was also a, a, just a machine of a tight end. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then again, too, do you ever get tired of winning? Because if you know the, the recipe of, yeah. of winning and this is what you've done to produce this many championships, it almost becomes, at some point in time, doesn't it become the norm? Right. Because you get used to it, like anything. You, you get used to the NBA uncomfortable. You, you get used to the meetings. You get used to the scrutiny. But at the end of the day, how he's coaching you, how the team performs is benefiting you, your status, mm-hmm. obviously, um, your income and winning championships so i don't know i guess if i was winning championships i would just shut my mouth and do the job right and you know i I know this is kind of going way back in the day but even like lombardi you know you you hear the clips and he's barking and he's tough i don't think i've heard of one former packer player that said they didn't love the guy right you know it's just they sing the praises of him all the time absolutely but that almost seems like it's a similar type of thing, yeah, too. Yeah, it does. And I don't know what the disconnect is unless, you know. And there's a way, too. Like, you can have a coach and be coaching you and and, and, and coaching you to the point where, like, it becomes irritating. Mm-hmm. You know, some coaches cross over that line to the personal right? when they're coaching. And now you're like, well, this has nothing to do with my performance. Now you're just getting personal. Mm-hmm. And again, don't know what happened behind closed doors. Don't know what right. the meetings are. You know, was he tyrannical? I have no idea. You listen to his uh, his media stuff, not much personality there. No. And uh, I don't know. I said, you coach, and, and one of our common things for our offensive line coach was, he said two things that always stuck with me. The day I stop yelling at you is the day I given up on you. Mm. And number two was, it's not how I say it, it's what I say. So those were the things. I mean, so yeah, he, he got swore at all the time. He got yelled at all the time. But the minute, if he didn't do it, he's given up on you. And that's almost a worst scenario. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? You can't play here. I'm, I, I'm not going to waste my time or my breath on you anymore. Mm-hmm. So, How big of an adjustment was that for you from high school to college to kind of go from, from that? I mean, did that take a little bit for you to get oh, used yeah. to? Absolutely. Um, just different technique, what the mm-hmm. expectation was. Um, 
in high school, you know, I, I became like a friend of my coach, still a, a tough coach, Coach Gray. He's he's still around. We're friends on Facebook. He's just just a tough coach, mm-hmm. but was able to, you know, coach you hard, get the most out of you, then also afterwards show you a little love. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Different scenario, different in college. It became a, it's a business, right? you know, so that's how you look at it. So it was an adjustment, but nothing you couldn't, you know, it was more of the discipline, more of the, less of the attaboy. This is what need, this is the expectation. But I think at the time that that's what we needed because we were a young offensive line. Our, I was Richard in my first year. Our second, our second year was in 97. We were young. We had one, Chris McIntosh was our left tackle, the only guy that had any sort of reps. Mm-hmm. The rest of us were young across the, across the board. So is it one of those almost militaristic where they tore us down to the point of like, holy crap, and then build built back us back up, up mm-hmm. to what we what we became. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that was a game plan. Don't know if there was a coaches meeting about that at one <laughs> point in time, but that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously it, it worked. They produced, we produced, and we won. Right. So. Uh, one more thing I wanted to get your, your, your thoughts on here quickly. So, I mean, the college football world, college sports in general, is just it's completely changed over yeah. the years now. You know, we've talked about transfer portals and, and all that. But even, like, coaches now, you know, like, so Ohio State, for example, they hired Bill O'Brien a couple months ago as their offense quarter. He mm-hmm. now already left yeah. to, to be head coach. Chip Kelly, who was the head coach at UCLA, now leaving to be offensive coordinator at Ohio State yeah. just last week. So weird. Over there. I mean, what do you think that does for, for these players? You know, all the focus has been on players entering transfer portals and that. Yet you've got these coaches. These players commit to these coaches. Mm-hmm. I Would would you say it's more right. to the coaches and the program itself at times? A, a it little is, bit? 100%. I mean, you know, I was recruited by uh, Coach Palermo, John Palermo. And, uh, you know, he was a defensive line coach, but he was the guy who recruited me, and then Coach Alvarez also. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I committed to them, you know, mm-hmm. because of what what they thought, what they predicted, what my outcome, The you know, like, hey, you're going to play here. Like, there's not a doubt in our mind that, you know, they sell you on the idea, mm-hmm. you know, and then they backed it up also by giving you the opportunity you know, but then there is that loyalty to that coach. He's the one that brought you in. He was the first face of the program that you had, you know, any sort of connection with. So, right. yeah. So, and then you see guys, when coaches leave, players leave with them. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I think we had a center for the Badgers that came over from, from Cincinnati but with Fickle because yep. that's your commitment. Right. You know, so. I, don't, I, I feel like for a lot of people who kind of criticize the, the players, you kind of have to look at the coaches that kind yeah. of do the same thing. A little bit. You know, it's, this is late in the game too uh-huh. to to be doing that stuff. And now you look at like like uh, Michigan and Harbaugh. Yeah. You know, he won a national championship at the epitome of the game. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna go play play, play for Michigan." Yep. And all the guys that he brought in. Huh? Yeah. I mean, you look at Saban retiring this year, yep. now Harbaugh leaving. Mm-hmm. The trickle down effect all yep. over. Yep. You know, even like Harbaugh bringing some of his guys on that coaching staff. It's yeah, it's three sixty five, right? 24-7, there's no off-season. There is, and I would hate to be a coach at the college level right now mm-hmm. because you have to walk that fine line of that discipline. I mean, if you were coached like we were coached in the mid-'90s, early 2000s, and it was now, 
I feel like people would would have left. Yeah. Because it was hard and it was uncomfortable mm-hmm. and there was a tremendous amount of pressure to produce. And I don't know many, I mean, if you have an opportunity to go someplace else, start, still get like the potential of moving up to the next level of the NFL and not have to deal with it with the grind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's on players' mind. That's something I've I've talked to some college coaches about. Like, what's been the biggest adjustment from you know when you first started to where you're at now? And it kind of relates to that where they're like, now we kind of have to, lack of a better word, coddle them a little bit more. Yeah, you know, just so they don't leave. Right. You, you know, and and that sort of stuff. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, you you, you, you got to coach them, but at the same time, where is that line? Like you said. Well, if I get too hard, am I yep. gonna upset them and yep. they leave? Sort I mean, of thing. I can. I remember one uh, early on in my career, offensive line coach pulls me aside. He's like, um, "Your best bet is to go find a good trade school, son, because you're never gonna play here." Mm. So you're like, "Huh," you know, and you think you're producing. Well, talk about having another fire lit under you. Yeah, that'll do it. Well. You know, so that was. Now, if you say that in this day and age, are you going to get the, yeah, you're right, I should leave. Right. You go. I'm out. Yeah. I don't know. Not on the same level, but I actually, that's kind of similar to what motivated me. Uh, I had my chemistry teacher, because <laughs> uh, I hated chemistry, so I sucked at it. And it was, uh, she mentioned <clears throat> at one time I was doing a makeup test or something. She's like, and it was around when you're supposed to apply for colleges. She's like, and I said something, but I had to, you know, fill out something. She's like, oh, you're going to a trade school? I'm like, oh, <laughs> and it's nothing wrong with that, but it's like yeah. you're minimizing me. Yep. I, I, I went to a four-year university, <laughs> and then hopefully every day she listens to you talking to her. I know, and her. I hope she remember knows who exactly. And then you I'm should send her to. Christmas cards. <laughs> should. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> and birthday cards and Valentine's and yep. St. Patty's Day and exactly. <laughs> hey, speaking of St. Patty's Day, we got a new flavor. Yes, we do. Coming up here, man. Like that transition right away. So beautiful. It's a min <laughs> sensation. We thought we were uh, featuring our white coffee for the mar- month of March, and some green mint. Uh, it's pretty darn tasty. Mm-hmm. And just remember to, even though we feature it for the the month of March, you can get green mint in my shop anytime. You can get pumpkin anytime you want to. So mm-hmm. we don't limit you on what you're feeling that day, or right. you know based on the months of the drinks of the month so mm-hmm. i wanted to give a shout out because we were just there on sunday through the drive-thru and a couple of your girls working the the drive-thru uh they were awesome huh. they there was you know not to call anybody out or anything like that but you know there was uh an issue with somebody's order or something like that and we were kind of good over here they were awesome huh. very friendly and just you know we even thanked them too. I've uh, gone up to the drive-through. I mean, I know you've talked about your girls yeah. over there how many times. It's, They're fantastic, very personable, and awesome. Just awesome. I have been blessed with having great employees uh, since we've opened. So um, they go above and beyond. They do this better than I do, which mm-hmm. you're supposed to. And but uh, we have that partnership, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it keeps me young. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it does. But uh, yeah, absolutely. We have amazing staff, mm-hmm. and uh, could not do it without them. And they know that. And like I said I sing their praises whenever I possibly can. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give them a shout out because they were awesome. I'm sure they'll appreciate that on, on Sunday. So, all right, dude. Well, uh, looking forward to the drop of your new podcast. Just in. don't keep coming back on well, this we're one come too. Back. All right, yeah, so absolutely. don't get too big for us right now. <laughs> so uh, we appreciate it, buddy, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Okay, take care.
That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Again, brought to you by our good friends from High V and Toys and Ford. Don't forget, if you got a few seconds, if you don't mind, giving us a five-star rating and uh, a positive review wherever you listen to your podcast. Like Apple, review, five-star rating, Spotify, five-star rating. That would be awesome. That way others can find the podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.